sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we have a guest. Say hello, guest. Me. Yes. Yvonne Stevenson, me. Yes. <laughs> uh, for once, a friend of Pat's that I've never met. Um, so I can only assume that you have an affinity for uh, Liberty Gibbets who talk nonsense all the time. Yvonne, that's as much as I know about you. It's my specialty. And how do you, wait, so how do you guys know each other? We have a mutual friend who got us together at a beer event a couple summers ago. A beer event. I see. Most of us just call that going to a bar. <laughs> no, it was a special. Philly has beer week because we like to drink in the summer. So we dedicated a whole week to just beer. And that's how we met. That sounds very Philly. Yeah. <laughs> I think Pat and I met, met at what was basically a beer event too, didn't we, Pat? I mean, yep. not, in San Luis Obispo. Yep. Not officially, but at the Madonna Inn. Um, yeah, and we bonded over uh, Get a Life. And Stereo Lab, which was very odd, because John just, out of, apropos of nothing, just said, do you like Get a Life? And that's where the romance started. <laughs> you seemed like somebody who would have been into it, that's all. Here, here's how I remember. You said, do you like Get a Life? I said, yeah, do you like Stereo Lab? And you said, yeah, and then everything was happy from then on. <laughs> Yeah, that's how most great friendships are born, I think. Um, oh, anyway, what are we doing this week, Pat? We're doing Alien versus Alien Revelation. Oh, my God. Why do you <laughs> fuck this up every time? We're doing The Thing versus Get Out. Wait, oh, Yv- yeah. Yvonne, had you se- you've seen The Thing, Yvonne. I have. I watched it again this morning, actually. And had you seen Get Out? I I saw it when it first came out, and I watched it again recently because it was really good and worth watching again. Yeah. And, Pat, you hadn't seen neither? Correct. Yeah. I've still still seen neither. (laughs) So you're you're well prepared to discuss it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to base everything on your guys' plot synopsis, so do a good job. (laughs) Well, The Thing from 1982... yeah, I'll be interested to see what you think of this, Pat, because I know you didn't like uh, They Live, my other favorite John Carpenter. But uh, No, wait, wait. I like They Live. I just don't like that fight scene as much as you do. Yeah, you don't like the best, <laughs> the best part of the whole movie. Um, I, For me, probably maybe the best horror movie of all time. Although horror is kind of, I, I don't know if it's officially horror, but it's got enough horror elements that I'd consider it horror. Um, I think it's as much horror as Alien. Yeah, or Get Out, even. Um, well, Get Out's a, let's. I mean, let's yeah, not we'll talk about it. that. Yeah, but Get Out is a comedy. Oh, right, yeah, <laughs> according to the Golden Globes. Um, what was it? But this movie, like, tanked when it came out. And it got really bad critical reviews and didn't become, like, a thing until... Uh, Later in the day, it became like a cult hit, and then people like reassessed it, I guess, critics and stuff. Did Did you just make a really good pun? Well, oh, probably. You know, <laughs> I, I do it all the so time I, without even. I'm thinking. not. Su- 
I'm not surprised it was not a like a box office smash because it came out at a time where like ET was out and then something else came out after it. Another big like hit to take away audience. Oh, Blade Runner was the other one. Yeah. So I'm not surprised by that, but I'm surprised it wasn't a critical success because it is. It's a well made movie. It's not. It's, it's not like a slasher film or anything like that. It's 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 like the the tension's really taut and it's well acted. So I, that does surprise me. Yeah, it's extremely well made. Like even the cinematography and everything is really nice. And uh, and yeah, I I think it did suffer because of that. But I think this was also because of those other films. I mean, but uh, the, I think they also gave him a an actual budget for this because I think he was seen as like you know a genre filmmaker. Um, but when Halloween uh, raked in the dough, the the movie studio was like, "All right, well, we'll give you actual money to do this one." So uh, I think it was like one of the first of his bigger budget movies. But yeah, uh, well, let's talk about the plot. It's basically about um, a bunch of bachelors who take in a stray dog. I think that's a good description. Yeah, it is. And then everything goes awry. Yeah. It's like Beethoven in the Antarctic, really. Yeah, it's like Beethoven. Yeah. Uh, Charles Grodin <laughs> would have been great in this. <laughs> Instead, we have Wilfred Brimley, who is also excellent yeah. in this. Yeah. Well, the thing about Wilfred Brimley is this movie was made in 1982, and I think Cocoon might have come out in 1984, and I, I feel like he aged about 75 years in those two years. Yeah, he was only uh, 17 in this movie. He, he doesn't fact. look like... He doesn't look like the Wilford Brimley I think of from Cocoon, but maybe maybe I'm remembering Cocoon wrong. No, I don't think you I th- are. I think Wilford Brimley was born old. I don't I don't ever know that he had like a he was like Benjamin Buttons, but he got stuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but in 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 the thing, he was old, but not old like like the Cocoon, where he's just like 89 years old. Yeah, yeah. And he was I know he was only like 50 or something when Cocoon yeah. came out. Yeah, he's, he's still alive today. Still talking about Diabatis. <laughs> he does, and although he no he no longer I think shilling oatmeal anymore, which is sad. Well, nobody's shilling oatmeal anymore. <laughs> you don't need to; it sells itself. Yeah. Just put our it on podcast the, is sponsored by Quaker Oats. <laughs> put it on the end cap at the supermarket. Yep. Um, oh, using some supermarket inside terms. The, the so Pat, I want your, I want your impression. So I really like that. Um, like neither one of these movies we're talking about is realistic. Really, like is something that you would be afraid of actually happening. Unlike say like a serial killer and you know in those kind of movies, um, who actually exist. But I find it scarier than slasher movies anyway because it's. It's so much about paranoia and, like, not knowing who is who. Um, well, let me give a better synopsis. Uh, these guys at an Antarctic uh, station doing God knows what, some kind of scientific research, we assume. Um, uh, they're... Uh, how do I... How do I even put this into a synopsis? Uh, a creature invades their little... Uh, layer and it can take the form of anything or anyone so nobody knows exactly if any of them are human or if they've been transformed into the thing yep 
I don't find it as scary as other horror movies, but I find that like the it unsettling. Unsettling. You know, That's a, a good. Yeah. Because you really don't know, and they they send, set up all sorts of red herrings, so the entire movie you're never really sure who's who and that's that's interesting even at the end yeah it's not super clear nope um yeah there's a lot of theories about the end but i mean well really there can only be like three different theories of what's going on Um, (laughs) but yeah i i the uh special effects too pretty awesome for the time and just make me think of how much i hate cgi nowadays I had that very same thought. I was like, well, they should go back to doing this type of stuff again. It's so much more fun to look at than crappy CGI. Like the scene where he he goes through the guy's chest. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then his, and then his like, arms get bitten off. Like, <laughs> fantastic. By the chest mouth, yeah. <laughs> By the yeah, chest mouth, yeah. The, the chest mouth, was that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> But a, a CGI chest mouth would actually be more realistic. So I think you guys should open your minds. Oh, Pat. But Pat. so much less fun to look at. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that, that is a nice thing about practical effects that it's not as gory. It's just as gory, but it's not as it's disgusting because there's the, the sense of unreality, unreality to it that makes it more fun. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like I laugh at some of the um, at some of the gory scenes that happen. Yeah, but you usually laugh at the rape scene, so I really don't know. Oh that God. means anything. Every <laughs> single time. Never laughed at a rape scene. Uh, I think Pat's confusing me with uh, past guest Michael Morris. <laughs> no, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I especially like that um, John Carpenter. Not I, he didn't write it, but uh, that he was they were bold enough to like take it things to his logical conclusion because like the supposed hero, Kurt Russell, um, straight up like murders some innocent people yeah. in this, like, which is exactly how shit would go down. You would think. And there is a great, uh, legitimate jump scare in this movie. I don't know if when they're testing the blood. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is a good scene, which is, it's especially, weird because you know it's coming like it's not like it's out of nowhere but it's still like super effective yeah yeah the other thing just uh, bringing up innocent people being killed is the cast in this movie is is exceedingly excellent there's i mean they all not everybody but quite a few of them went on to be pretty successful character actors like well keith david is always awesome but also richard mazer i was surprised to see him in this movie and, and the guy from law uh, la law, LA law yeah was the doctor <laughs> so that was, that was kind of fun yeah, and it was, makes me makes me wonder why kurt russell was never bigger than he ended up being i mean i know he was very successful as far as cult movies go but i i always seeing this he's has like he has a great screen presence and i'm just surprised that it never came to like big blockbusters yeah i mean he was basically successful in john carpenter films and overboard. And, oh, well, never saw it. I guess that'll oh, be that's... a future episode. Yes. <laughs> it is. Overboard is pretty good. So I, I do have to give that one to Pat. <laughs> Over, overboard versus Clifford. That seems like a good one. What's Clifford? <laughs> Martin Short as a, like, adult baby or something. I can't. I've never actually seen it. That's, that's, seems like a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for for the 
time, um, it's really, I really dug the special effects and like just the sense of uneasiness and paranoia and claustrophobia that they managed to get out of the movie is and really effective. And isolation. I think for yeah. me, good horror movies have that element of isolation where you're just screwed. There is no help coming. Yeah. And you're like, this is it. Yep. There's nowhere you can go, no one to call for help, which is was kind of weird to me that he couldn't get anybody on the radio because, like, that's what they have the radio set up for, right? There have to be people who know they're there, but... Maybe the thing broke the radio before he got there. <laughs> Could be. So, did I miss a scene? There's there's something that happened in the movie. I feel like I, I, I know I didn't fall asleep, but maybe I was hypnotized to call forward to the next episode, next movie. But anyway, where Kirk Russell, Kurt Russell is stuck in like the snow where the other guy cuts his rope. Does that is actually actually shown, or do we just see that guy saying he cut the rope? Wait, when he cuts, I don't think it's shown. Okay. Yeah. Because that was just kind of let's just it was just weird where he comes back and he's like. I left him out there. I cut the rope. He, it was him. And then, and then the next time we see Kurt Russell, he's like covered in like his beard is covered in frost, and he's has broken back into the main camp. Yeah. No, I yeah I don't think it was shown. Um, okay. Yeah, Kurt. Well, you know they're in Antarctica, Pat. I don't know why you're bringing up the beard frost. That's natural. No, I had no problem with that. It was just interesting that they didn't what i took from your comment that you had a problem with the beard frost i thought it was pretty no the beard frost was showing that he was stuck outside for a long time and he shouldn't have survived it that was pretty cool i just i thought that they would i was surprised that they didn't show him getting trapped out there yeah they probably yeah they probably cut it out on the blu-ray i have there's like a whole second blu-ray of like special features which i haven't looked at so there's probably like a million deleted scenes and stuff but yeah kurt russell Kurt Russell was always pretty awesome. He did. He was good at that, like stoic kind of don't give a shit anti-hero dude. Yeah. Um, Yvonne, when did you first see this? Do you remember how old? Uh, you were? I it was probably in high school would be my guess. Either like middle school or high school, somewhere around then when you know you would rent. Um, you know, videos, VHS videos for the weekend and try and scare the crap out of yourselves with like, like Nightmare on Elm Street and all that other uh, high school kind of Joke. movie, horror movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that would be my guess as to the first time I've seen it. It's, it's like interesting because this isn't really, this isn't junk. It's a good movie, I think. Um, and it's also kind of like slower paced than than like a nightmare on elm street those type of horror movies so i can see why like it wasn't a hit with the teen audience maybe that was going to see horror movies back then but yeah i like the slower build i think it it definitely makes a better movie rather than trying to pack in you know a million jumps a jump scares for every scene yeah so how does how does this the, the pace of this movie compare to Halloween? I've never seen Halloween. Is that is that as slow as this one? Um, it's it yeah, it's actually pretty slow for like a what's considered a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not bad. It's it's I mean he kind of invented the the genre as at least as far as like the killer who doesn't die slasher, you know. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, definitely 
more slow paced than like your Friday the Thirteenth and all all those. And and like over time, all those just got ramped up anyway, um, to where it just became you know a kill fest for the entire thing. But uh, I haven't seen the original Friday the Thirteenth probably since it was in theaters, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know how slow paced that one was. But yeah, Halloween is is fairly so. There's a lot of like talk with the uh, his psychiatrist, Mike Myers' psychiatrist, Michael Myers, played by Donald Pleasance, when he's like, I don't know, pontificating about evil and shit. Um, and it's not super gory either, like you would think. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know. I wouldn't mind rewatching it. Were you gonna say Yvonne? I was. Uh, there is a lot of Mike Myers kind of skulking around for a good part of it, not yeah. really doing anything other than being this like shadowy menace. You're not sure you saw or not. So. Yeah, like Pat it's, on the uh, and Exactly. Sometimes he's standing outside my house, and I'm like, "What are you doing out there, Pat?" Uh. He just skulks. Minding away. my, minding my own business. <laughs> um. Yeah, but but this one, I don't know. Would you describe it this as a horror movie? Either of you? I I don't I, I mean if someone else didn't call it that, I wouldn't I wouldn't. I would just call it a like science fiction movie, but I can understand why it's called a horror movie. So I wouldn't on on first glance, but I agree with someone who would. Yeah. That makes sense. I wouldn't even I know. I guess it has science fiction elements, but it's not it's not a big enough part of the story for me to consider it science fiction i guess well we're kind of assuming that the thing is from from outer space that's oh, it definitely well, is it yeah. is well i it is because the beginning shot is like the weird spacecraft kind of careening towards earth yeah although you'd never see it crash so <laughs> i think you just are supposed to assume it does <laughs> and uh it's definitely from from outer space so but i it is kind of a sci-fi horror hybrid yeah more horror than sci-fi but and, and but like, I, I i think when i think of horror i'm just I'm, I'm just i just have this stereotypical like slasher film in in mind so i guess that's why it's part of the reason why i don't I mean, instantly call this horror even though it is yeah i i mean it's almost like just because of the pacing and everything it's almost more suspense i guess than outright horror but the there is enough gore in it too that Oh man, I like the dogs too. That that always is a bummer to me. I know my dog was not happy with the the dog <laughs> the dismembering. Barking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, he kept running up to the TV, and he's like, "What's going on with those huskies?" So, <laughs> in my house, it was especially tough to watch. You know, the dog murder scenes. <laughs> My, yeah, my my dog just listened to the barking, but he was like, "Ah, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, oh man, I just lost my train of thought on this. Um, was it about the dogs? Who who can say? Um, so there is a original black and white version of this story. Yeah, you guys haven't seen, seen that. Nope. No, okay. I can't imagine it's. I mean, this one is is basically revered as the great one um and that right, you know, sure. this is this it's like the maltese falcon is a remake that so far eclipses the original that the original doesn't matter yeah i well you know those 50s sci-fi movies they're kind of super cheesy um yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. They also remade this one into having a female lead for the Kurt. um, Yeah. The Kurt Russell part. Which I think I watched a quarter of, and I was like, this is terrible, uh, yeah. and I just turned it off. I heard it was horrible. And, and yeah, then, it's really bad. I think they also made a prequel, um, jo- none of which John Carpenter was involved in, So, um, but I haven't heard anything good about that either. So so the prequel <laughs> would happen at that, that German, or what was it, Norwegian camp, the Norwegian camp? Yeah, or Swedish if you're Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I am not. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sad about that too. Um, I know there's not like a super lot to say about this movie. I mean, we've given away the whole plot, which there will be spoilers I, for Get Out. But by, by the way, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, listeners, so. there's a there's a, there's some story in Wikipedia I don't quite understand that. So John Carpenter usually usually scored his own films. Yes. And this one he brought on Ennio Morricone, Marconi to do the music. But I can't tell if he actually did the music or John Carpenter just asked him to do it because he was like a big super fan and wanted to meet him. <laughs> Who knows? There's not yeah, it it doesn't the music doesn't sound very John Carpenterish in this, but there's also not a lot of music in it. He's, so the quote is, he said to John Carpenter, why did you call me if you want to do it on your own? And Carpenter responded, I got married to your music. This is why I've called you. So I don't know if he like literally married the music and it was an official like weird yeah. thing. Or when he got married, it was to like the theme from some spaghetti western. Yeah, good, the bad, and the ugly. That's a good thing to get married to. If it's a triple, <laughs> a triple marriage. Pat, one person can encompass all those things. We contain multitudes. Um, man, I I wish I could remember the point that I had, but um, oh, I I don't know. I guess it was just more about the actors, the ensemble cast. Um, they were they were really all strong, and um, not Keith David, but the uh, the other black dude I recognize, but I don't know from where. I I think he was probably like. A character actor in the late 70s early 80s too um, I guess I could have looked him up but what was w- it what was I forget what was his okay was that the guy that guy was on he was on roller skates and he yeah. was cook? yes yeah, funny. <laughs> one of the last survivors yeah he he never turned he just got blown up I don't I also don't know how Kurt Russell uh, survived the whole explosion but I guess that's you know you gotta have somebody, but I yeah at the end the the ambiguity. Um, well, I I also think you neither one of them is really gonna survive, right? If they're the thing, they will. If unless one of them is the thing, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, they're both acknowledging they have accepted that they're not going to survive. So. Yeah, I, I go ahead. I yeah well, and there's also you don't know. If- if either one of them is infected with the thing. So there's a chance that they're going into hibernation with this thing in them. Yeah, that's true. You Um, know? My personal feeling is that uh, they were both still human. But, you know, I don't base that on anything except just how I want it to be. I'd agree. That was my feeling at the end. Although it is weird that Keith David just kind of disappeared and 
reappeared, but I still think they're both human. Well, he said he was running after uh, Wilford Brimley, right? Yeah, he said he thought he saw him and he yeah. went after him. Mostly so. because he's too cool to accept the thing into his body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I personally love like my favorite type of horror movie is the one where everyone dies at the end. Like that's to me that is a good horror movie generally speaking. Yeah. So well, I'm I'm happy that everyone froze to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, yeah, it's not like trying to set it up as a franchise. But yeah, no, I right. def- I definitely like uh the ambiguity and it's a, and it's a weird I, I I don't know, I guess back then it was easier to end something like that but i can't imagine it was like an ending that made the studio happy but but it also is slightly abrupt the way it ends like they're sitting there chatting and they're like eyeing each other up and then it's like almost like john carpenter's like okay well we're done here so (laughs) that's a wrap (laughs) like really that's it there's like no fade out or nothing it's just like done yep john carpenter's (laughs) the thing (laughs) (laughs) speaking of the abruptness that i was reading that the the final fight scene between kurt russell and the wilford brimley's thing character was cut short because they didn't have a budget to to make the stop motion any longer and thank god for that i love i love ending like ending fights that aren't long yeah it's just he puts the bomb in and they're done it's there's no back and forth i thought that was great no the whole thing is is super well made nothing goes on too long um Thankfully, yeah, it's it's really well edited, and uh, I, both of these movies that we're talking about, I think um, th- the best horror movies to me are are kind of metaphors for you know for other things, uh, which this definitely is. Um, and I don't know exactly like what like it's it's not like anti-communist or anything like that, but it is definitely about paranoia and who being able to trust people yeah uh instead of just gore for gore's sake have either of you ever seen like hostile or any of those torture porn movies i haven't i have and i've seen i mean it's pretty much what you think you're signing up for um it's basically gore for gore's sake with not really a whole a lot of storyline going on other than like you know they get these kids who are in eastern europe and you know there's rich men who are paying to torture them and that's like the end one guy gets out the end you know kind of there's not really there's a whole no, lot in between those two things no larger point to it all no other than like humanity's terrible and awful and we do awful th- things to each other yeah <laughs> That's it. Okay, yeah. I I mean, I don't think I ever will see them. Also, that Eli Roth guy seems like kind of an asshole. But um, he, I think he needs therapy and a hug. I think. <laughs> In that order, because if you do it the In other way. In that order. order. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, are we done talking about the thing? Are we gonna go to uh, get out? Any last words? Anybody? So where would this on your guys? Uh, John Carpenter list. Where would this appear? This is this one and They Live for me are the I don't know I don't know which they're so different it's hard to compare them. Um, they're probably my favorites. Big Trouble in Little China is really good. I 
Escape from New York I probably doesn't hold up, but I loved it when I was young. Yeah, I would say I would say it's Halloween and then and then the thing. Oh, I gotta rewatch Halloween, I guess. You know, I've seen it because like smaller theaters around here around Halloween love to show it, and parts of it are like laugh out loud funny, which aren't intentionally laugh out loud funny, which makes me love it even more. So, <laughs> I remember that I had a crush on a uh, PJ Souls. Do you know who she is? The Jamie Lee Curtis's friend who like has sex and gets murdered in that movie. <laughs> yes. Because she was in yes. she was in uh, Rock and Roll High School, the Ramones movie, which I also watched as a young kid on cable. Um, but that's mostly what I remember about Halloween and and that it's like a lot slower than you would think. But what about you? So Pat, you did like this movie though. Right. I like I like this and They Live. I saw but They Live I saw as a kid, so this is just I'd, I'd say They Live I like a little bit better, but I like them both a lot. Yeah, I think this is definitely um, more well-made than They Live. But but I really want to see his other movies. Uh, Halloween I'll see, but I really want to see Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from L.A. or Escape from New York, which is it? Yeah, New York. L.A. is the sequel, which I think is, sucks, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I want to see Escape from New York. I think Big Trouble in Little China is streaming on either Amazon or Netflix. I can't remember. Um, yeah, it's that one's fun, and it's another. It's really fun. It's I I have um I have a warm spot for uh, Big Trouble in Little China because it's just cheesy and fun. And another great Kurt Russell performance. I remember. You probably remember too, Yvonne, at the end when uh, he's leaving and and. She's like, aren't you going to kiss her? And he's like, no. And just walks out. <laughs> anyway, um, The Thing. Yes, definitely watch it. And uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with Get Out. We had a comrade. A brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shamiro To computers wearing earphones He almost died for conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke Park's Greyhound Racing Steeplechasing, the Reformation Transubstantiation, Bram Stoker's creation The land of the Thracians and We're back with Get Out from this year, the comedy masterpiece directed by Jordan Peele. Um, and this one is about a, uh, a black guy dating a white girl who goes home to meet her family over the weekend, over a weekend. And uh, as Yvonne said in the last one, shit goes awry. So, Pat, having not seen this before now, uh, your thoughts? Uh, it was creepy. It was weird. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was the the scene was set so well, and it it was. I mean, I you know going in what you're getting because you've seen trailers and you've heard people talking about it, but it was kind of a slow burn to get to where it was as bad as it got. Like the it starts off just kind of with the awkward 
I voted for Obama. I would have voted for Obama again. The awkward kind of like satirical social stuff. And then the brother shows up and things start to really get weird. I think with him, with his creepiness at the dinner table is where things really start to, to take the slide towards really kind of uncomfortable in a scary way. Yeah. Before that, it's just kind of in a social. It's, it's that like weird condescending, like I want to be, or I appreciate your culture type thing at first. Right. Um, right. Which is like, not necessarily well, it's not cool, but it's, you know, it's more relatable. You know, you've seen that a bunch of times in life and then, yeah, but then things start getting really, really creepy and you can't quite put your finger on what's going on. And the, the, the setup as the film starts with the, the two, the two, like the, the servants that they have in the house where they kind of set them up as, as a, you know, there's something going on with them by the way they're filmed is that's, that was pretty well done. Yeah. Oh, the whole movie is, is super well done. There's, there's also a jump scare in this when they hit the deer. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Which I remember, I remember like jolt being jolted in my seat in the theater when that happened. Um, but I, I didn't understand the significance of the deer being hit so much, but it obviously meant something to the movie. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I I do actually. The, the whole, where that tie in with the deer comes in was that his mother was killed by, um, a hit and run driver. Yes. So, he was having like kind of PTSD thinking about that deer, like, you know, kind of dying on the side of the road, similar to his mother who was just kind of left for dead. Oh my God. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I didn't even get that. You know, another thing I didn't get until I, this was the third time I watched it, but I didn't get until the second time I watched it was the guy who says, get out to him was the guy at the beginning who was abducted. I don't know why, that didn't click with me the first time I saw it. Um, anyway. Yeah, well, that that was creepy, too. That The very first scene was um, a black guy walking around this, like, white-ass suburban neighborhood, and a car kind of pulls up, and he's like, all right, I'm not going to deal with this. This guy's obviously... Right. And then he... The guy comes out of the car and grabs him, and yeah. And grabs him while he's wearing, like, a night, night mask. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that being the start. So I guess, you know, from the start of the movie that it's something's going on, but they kind of, they have that, that quick hit and then it slows down for quite a long time until the yeah. deer hits. Yeah. And it's kind of, it kind of starts as a romantic co- comedy sort of thing with, with the, the way the relationship is working. Their banter and everything. Yeah. Right. Well, and there, I mean, there are comedic elements. His friend at the TSA is obviously it's, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. He's really funny. He was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Um, so but, the, not to be a spoiler but the end of the movie there's a line he says and I, I mean I thought it in my head before he said it and even though I knew it was coming I it was it was super funny what about the TSA right we get things done <laughs> yeah I, I think the like maintaining that sense of like dread and uneasiness and you don't you can't quite figure out what's going on is he's done really well in this movie um, and the creepiness of the servants, like you said, Pat, like there's, you, you know, there's something off about them, but you can't quite figure out what mm-hmm. until, until everything unfolds. You don't really find out until really the end what's happening. 
Yeah, I mean, about the, especially about the servants. I, that would that was not my guess at all that they were what they were. Yeah, yeah. I would also point out too that Catherine Keener is quite possibly the best creepy mom ever. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, like she's so good at being like you're like there's something not right there, and the fact that she's like let me hypnotize you, you're like no, <laughs> no, no. Oh yeah, his friend was all over that. Don't let a white woman <laughs> hypnotize you. Get in your head. Well, and wait, what's the Bradley Whitford? Is that the dad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bradley Whitford. He's really good at just. He was really good in that role. I think actually the acting overall was excellent throughout. Yeah. Oh, everybody was great in it. Yeah, Bradley Whitford is. I mean, I, in West Wing, he's he's kind of a likable character, but he plays since then he's played the same character in such a smarmy hate like just impossible to like way i think if i went back to watch watch the west wing i might not like that character anymore he is so good <laughs> although in that that one show where he, he's the like the third the, the trophy wife he's a likable character but anyway he's just he's very good at playing this kind of douchebag yeah well and in this like it's very subtle too because right. he he acts like, you know, the normal, affable family man, um, you know, kind of liberal, whatever, white, rich white guy. But there's this undercurrent to the whole thing that that is creepy. Sounds like some puppies don't like rich white. <laughs> We're socialists in this house, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh. I'm going to mute this for one second. Sure. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, the cast was great. Uh, and I was, there's elements of this that were surprising to me. I don't, I don't know how much we want to spoil, but. Oh, I think it's fine to spoil this movie. I, we I already w- said there'd be spoilers. I, I was not expecting Allison Williams to be in on it. Oh, no, I know. It's in, in such a strong way. I mean, yeah, I just. <laughs> When they, when he found those pictures, I was like, "Whoa!" And, but, and then she he, was really, really good in this, and I went in kind of going, "Ugh, Allison Williams," because I just didn't like her in gr- Girls. Yeah, I just didn't like Girls. Period. So yeah, well, that too, but that too, but especially her character. So I was like, "Ugh," and then uh, I was like, "Oh, hey, she's really actually pretty good." She, the scene of her drinking milk at the end is so <laughs> it's so creepy just because it's like. Such a white thing to do, I guess. I don't know why, but yeah, Drink, drinking milk and eating cereal one by one—it was just and yeah, and then listening to "I've Had the Time of My Life." <laughs> yeah, oh, that too. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a that was over the top funny. <laughs> there was not, lots of little subtle like gags in the movie that I thought worked pretty well. Like right after we figure out that the um. The people are being being hypnotized and be, like, their brains are being taken. You cut to was his name Rodney, the friend's name was yeah I yeah. Forget. You cut to the friend yeah. watching TV and you're hearing the 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 end of the United Negro College Fund commercial. Like <laughs> a brain is a terrible thing to waste. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and the main guy too. I I've heard a lot of talk about the other actors like in reviews and stuff, but the main guy did a really good job as well. He. Yeah, he had a pretty difficult role to play. I think um, he kind of had to carry it because you're basically yeah, he had, he had seeing the, it through his point of view. Basically, 
and he's throughout the most, well, at least the, the, the final third of the movie, he's on the edge of, of what it, he doesn't know if it's paranoia or he, he knows something's going on. And he played that well. Like he never went too, like too far manic until it was clear right. in the, the script of the film that he needed to be that manic, which was, I thought that was effective. And the, the dude who plays the brother, I think he's taking over for uh, Giovanni Ribisi as like the actor who shows up just having some weird mental problem that's not in the script. Because he was in, um, <laughs> he was also in uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and he's weird in that too, even though he he's not meant to be. Um, I I do think he was meant to be weird in this one. No, he was for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and he did it really well. Um, I, so uh, the he's oh, sorry I can't remember Jordan Peele is 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 up for directing or not directing but creating like a new version of the Twilight Zone and watching this movie I realized that it really is perfect because this was a feature length Twilight Zone episode yeah and I mean in all the best ways of all the best ways about the Twilight Zone it had it had a similar like feeling of dread it had kind of similar music in in parts and just just really good social. I don't know if you call it satire, but a social statement in a a weird story, and I I I'm really looking forward to his Twilight Zone because because of how so good so good this was. Yeah, I I, I agree. I'd heard that too. He'd he'd be perfect for it based on this. Um, right. I think uh, it's it's a like it's also such a tightrope walk to do something like this. Like it it is obvious what it's about. Like it's not super subtle about the all the racial stuff um but well i shouldn't say it's not it is actually done in a much subtler way than it could have been it could have been awful this could this, like the material could have been done where it beat you over the head um with its message and but it totally worked in this movie i thought i agree me too yeah um and yeah, just just that creepiness throughout. I, it's kind of like the witch that maintained that that sense of dread throughout the movie. I'd, it's like so difficult to do. I feel like, but they did it really well. Um, I like this better than the witch. Oh, me I too. This was uh, yeah. Well, it, I feel like the the storyline's a little bit more solid than in the witch. Yeah. Oh, there's, for yeah, sure. Yeah. More to get into. You're more involved in the characters, and yes, yeah, this is a really. It's it's kind of amazing. This is the first thing he's ever done. Yeah, no shit. Um, and and um, so up for comedy Golden Globe. <laughs> I mean, so it's so did, did, I can't. I don't. I didn't read the story. Did the studio put this up for comedy, or did the Golden Globes just decide this is a comedy because he directed it? I don't get that at all. There's I, nothing about this as a comedy. There's funny parts, but it, it's not a comedy in any way. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I think it was the studio because I think they thought it might have a better chance than winning against like the heavy dramas. Okay, um, that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like The Martian was up for comedy. It was last year, or whatever. Yeah, uh, that's so. Uh, as usual, just don't pay attention to the Golden Globes. Yeah, but <laughs> having said that, I hope it wins because uh, it it was definitely one of the best movies of the year. Um, yeah, the oh man, the scene where uh where the maid comes in to apologize for uh unplugging his phone and he 
says something about like yeah i get nervous being around so many white people and like she starts crying um and trying to maintain herself i thought that was really well done and weird too yeah yeah she was uh, i don't know the actress's name but she was really good in, in a limited part yeah um as, yeah as was uh well i mean her husband basically yeah. Um, <laughs> Grandpa. Grandpa, yeah. <laughs> that scene where he uh where the main character went out to smoke and he started running towards him was really <laughs> freaky. And that the the way they 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 showed it that was grandpa and grandma was, was awesome where he's driving away after picking her up, another call back to, to his mother, and uh she looks out and says grandma's it's like and then the light clicks. It's oh my god! Now I get it. That yeah. That's grandma and grandpa. That was <laughs> yeah, really effective storytelling. Yeah, I I thought it, well, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't have liked it, actually. But I saw this like two days in a row in theaters. Um, I went, me and Viv went once, and then the next day I went out with my kids, and I was like, oh fuck it, I'll see it again. <laughs> uh, that's how much I liked it. And it still took you two viewings to notice that the, the guy from the dude, beginning. Yeah, well, because, like, the first... <laughs> I'm the only first, kidding. No, the first time I saw it, like, I had totally forgotten about that whole beginning scene because it was so disconnected from the rest of the, the movie. I mean, it wasn't really, but, you know, yeah, as yeah. far as that scene went, it, it didn't fit, so... I think well it's also later in the film when he's like getting hypnotized that you find out about his mother. So yeah, I could see how you would not put two and two together. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I'm not talking about the mother. I'm talking about the the guy that gets kidnapped in the opening scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, both of those though, like the the whole thing uh, with the deer and the and the guy getting kidnapped. I didn't I didn't put those together. Well, I didn't put the deer together either. I think that's a really good insight. Yeah. I was thinking it has some reference to the deer in that room. That's the only <laughs> connection I could find. <laughs> oh, the deer head that was on the wall? Yeah, the, the deer head that was used to gore Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an excellent way for a character to die. Yes. <laughs> ah, poor Stephen Root, though. He's just sitting there with no, wow. no head. <laughs> and I, no I like head. how, the, I mean, no recycling. They just dropped that skull in the trash. <laughs> I <can>. know. <laughs> Quite violently too. He like kind of throws it in. You think they could have, you know, just transferred brains so he's stuck in Stephen Root's body? But I guess that's not going to work. <laughs> it, well, that, no, Stephen Root. <laughs> yeah, that's true, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, he now he doesn't want to no. be blind. He would have. Well, he would have gone to the cops, and they would have believed him right away. Yeah, because that's what happens. <laughs> the scene where Rodney's telling about the about what happened and where she says, oh, we have to get another couple other detectives in here. And the, and, and the whole conversation, you kind of know it's coming, but you're not sure. And then they start laughing. That was, that was really good. Yeah. Well, because they're looking at him so stone faced the yeah. whole time. And yeah. then... <laughs> you guys never don't ever say I don't do anything for you. <laughs> and that actress looks, looked really familiar to me, but I can't, she was, think of... she was on living single. I don't think I watched that, but maybe that's it. With uh, Tootie? And uh, I don't remember who else was on that. Was Queen Latifah on that show? I think so. That was back during the... Uh, well, yeah, it was Queen Latifah, yeah. During the Martin days. That was the block, Martin and Living Single. Um, Have you guys heard the Foxes selling off all their content? 
to Disney. Yes, yes I, I did hear that. Yeah. So so now they're once that happens, the Fox Network probably won't have new content. They'll just have like all reality shows. Oh, I hope that's not the case. That's that's speculation I've heard. But that doesn't make any sense. What I mean, Fox well, is part of the part of the point of a Fox Network is they get stuff cheap because they're getting it from their their studio, and if they sell their 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 content, they're not going to be getting a deal on, on the the content anymore. And that's why they they're speculating that might happen. Well, Fox hmm. is pretty well established now. I don't know how much they need to get cheap shit, right? Like, I guess, yeah. I mean, what would that mean? The Simpsons would go to ABC or something? I don't know. That's no. They specifically said the Simpsons would keep going because taking the Simpsons off the air would be tantamount to murder. <laughs> what about the the X Files reboot? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one. Yeah, that one I don't know about. I just saw I just saw promos for the new season starts January second. <laughs> We I also was, get paid for that. <laughs> yeah. Sponsored by the X-Files. I was very angry at that last X-Files reboot because I thought it was just going to be a limited run and then done. And then it had a cliffhanger and I was like, God damn it. I, <laughs> I, did, I didn't watch it. I, I do like the X-Files, but I didn't get into it. And I could imagine that ticking me off because that's what always ticked me off about the X-Files and everything. <laughs> nothing ever had an end. It was always, we're going to find that sister next. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, the truth is out there. Okay, the truth is always out there. I like to find the truth in the self-contained episodes. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching. This is off topic, but watching an episode of the X Files where it was somehow bug-related, and part of it had like cockroaches walking across the screen. I was watching it late at night in the house, and this, it looked like it was walking across the screen. And I was really freaked out that there was bugs in the house. <laughs> I remember watching that episode with the uh, inbred <laughs> family and the mother. Home. It's called Home. Home. Yeah, that's the creepiest one of the, well, aside from Twin Peaks, that's the creepiest episode of TV ever. Yeah. Anyway, Get Out. So two great movies, which will fortify us for next week's terrible movies that we're doing, Pat. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's clear. We all recommend both, both of these movies. If I were going to recommend one, I'd say Get Out because lots of people don't like watching old movies. So watch Get Out. Yeah. And then watch The Thing. Yeah. It, you should watch Get Out. I don't know if it's streaming or not. Uh, I look for I think it. you I can th- rent it. You can rent it, but it's not it's on not like free. Netflix yeah. or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. When I looked on Amazon, it said you could watch it streaming if you have an HBO subscription, but not like as uh. part of Prime. Oh. And it's yeah, it's not on Netflix, but you can rent it on Amazon for like ten bucks or whatever. But whatever way you get to watch it is worth watching it. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Well, then should we move on to recommendations, Asians, Asians, Asians? Sure. I have several. Oh, yeah, I know one of yours for sure. So go ahead. You do. Well, oh, we haven't shoot. done this in a while, so I'm assuming it's going to be one of yours. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, I don't know what I haven't done then. I was anyway, do you want to go first, John? Oh, Do you want to go first, John? Sure, I'll go first. Uh, my, I have several as well, because it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I recommended earlier. Um, maybe my favorite movie of this year. Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson. Yay. Uh, bunch of great people. And uh, it's by the guy who did In Bruges, which we did on this podcast. Um 
and it's it's a whole new level of his type of filmmaking, so I really enjoyed it. Um, a couple Netflix shows, which I don't usually recommend because most of them are not very good. Untrue. Uh, did I already do Mindhunter? No. Yeah, Mindhunter I really enjoyed. And also, I really enjoyed um, uh, Dear White People. Have you seen that? No, I oh. heard great things about it. It's good. The series, it not the really, movie. It's really good, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I actually, I haven't seen the movie, but I did watch the series. Um, yeah, it's super, super good. Um, so those are my recommendations. What do you got, Pat? Uh, are you ready, Yvonne, or do you want me to go first? Uh, uh, you could go first. Okay, I guess it's been a while, so I will recommend uh, Lady Bird, which I thought I recommended last episode, nope. but that's my favorite movie of the year. I haven't seen Three Billboards yet, but so maybe it will be close, but Lady Bird is so good. And, oh, I did recommend it. Never mind. Wait, I don't uh, think you did, because I don't think yeah. you've done it. No, I Oh, I did, did recommend it. Yeah, yeah so it's a very my... good, very well-observed coming-of-age movie. Oh, yeah. you did see it? I'm I saw it, yeah, yeah. I was kind of afraid it would be too uh, twee for you. No, I I enjoyed it a lot. That's good. Uh, so the re- recommendation I already had in mind is a new show based on a comic book called Happy. It's on Sci-Fi Network. It has it's a it's really like really dirty. And it, it involves a former cop who is on some kind of, I don't know, he's on a, he's a hitman now, things happen, and somehow he has uh, started talking to the imaginary friend of a little girl. The imaginary friend is played by Pat Oswalt. It's very funny. It It's well acted so far. It has, uh, what's the guy's name from Law and Order SVU? Is it Witcher, uh, Maloney or? Yeah. Oh man, this dog's not <laughs> that dog like doesn't it. like Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney. Oh, they don't like I got the name wrong. Uh, Christopher Maloney is very good as the lead, and so far it's it's a really interestingly made show. Like lots of uh, effects that make make it look cool. So that's worth seeing. And secondly, I will recommend the. I haven't listened to the whole soundtrack. Oh wait, what, I can't remember what it's called now. I always get the name wrong, so I'm gonna look it up. Uh, it's the it's movie coming out with Arnie Hammer. Do you guys? Nope. Oh, is that Call Me By Your call Name me, or something? Call, yeah, Call Me By Your Name. The soundtrack has two Such and Steven songs on it that are really, really good. And along with those two songs, you should listen to the Tanya Harding song he just put out, which is also awesome and so, so, so him. Wait, is that that's, is that one from the Tanya Harding movie that's coming out? You know? No, that's what's that's what's so awesome. He, he, he. I guess they knew the movie was coming out, but he just put a song out about her, <laughs> <laughs> and he put it out the same week the movie came out. So <laughs> it makes me laugh. All right, Yvonne. Yes, I would definitely second Pat's uh, Lady Bird recommendation. It was uh, after the Big Sick, one of my favorite movies of this year. Um, also a book called The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter. Um, it's kind of a sci-fi steampunk mixture of characters from um, Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, it also pulls daughters of Dr. Frankenstein, Dr. Moreau, um, and it involves Sherlock Holmes. I'm not doing a good <laughs> job kind of explaining this, but it's really fun and it's really creative and it's a new spin on kind of something that's been rehashed too much so i highly recommend that oh cool that sounds so, cool 
yeah, just it's a it. it's a it's a really fun read, especially if you know all the stories that are uh, the inspiration for the character. Yeah, just go read a bunch of public domain shit, and uh, you got it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Throw Beowulf in there? <laughs> no, they they steer away from Beowulf, but everybody else is in there. So. <laughs> oh, cool! The Alchemist's Daughter. Yeah, the strange case strange of the case. Alchemist's Daughter. Okay. Yeah, and it's written by um. What's Theodora Goss. Yes. Damn, Pat. So um. He Googled it. Yep. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it's a fun sci-fi steampunk creative read, basically. There you go, nerds. That is the majority of our audience. Oh, I thought you were talking to us. No. <laughs> we are, we're geeks. I think we're one step above nerds. Um. All right, Pat. You want to. If, if we're geeks, does that mean we're big fans of the Big Bang Theory? Write to us at popculturecontinuum <laughs> at gmail.com if you'd like to be on the show, say something nice about our show, say something mean about our show, or just to say hi. Rate us highly on iTunes, give us five stars, and write a glowing review. Uh, and like us on Facebook. And most importantly, tell your friends to listen. Yeah, tell them to get drunk and go listen to our Wikipedia episode. That was from off the air, but three of us will get it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Pat, I think you're mixing up geeks with idiots when you bring up the Big Bang Theory. But um, thank you, Yvonne, for coming on. And Yay, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and you'll be on again because we are going to do Alien versus Alien Covenant at some point. I'm uh, very excited for that. <laughs> so is your dog. Uh, so I guess that does it. Uh, until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.